Let's open our Bibles to Malachi chapter 3, the very last book of the Old Testament, the last of the Old Testament prophets. Do you like talking? We've been talking about talking to the children. Do you like talking? We all talk. Maybe some more than they ought to. Some of us are a bit more quiet. Talking. But we also like listening. Some are good talkers, but not very good at listening. Speaking and listening. Malachi did 500 years, about before the Lord Jesus Christ. His name means my messenger. And the book begins with us telling, that, telling us that God spoke through his messenger. It starts the oracle of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. Where does talking come into it? Well, I have two points. The talking people and the listening God. The talking people and the listening God. So first, talking people. Malachi 3 verses 13 to 16. There are two groups who are talking in this section. They both belong to the nation of Israel. They both attend worship in the temple. Both groups are professing to be God's people. But one group are speaking harsh words against God. Useless. To worship God. Useless. To mourn. Because of our sins. We're suffering. So what's the point. Of. Serving God. And look at the evil doers. They seem to get away with their sins. They seem to prosper. And we are suffering. What's the point of it all? God heard every word that that group was saying against him. But there's a second group. We read then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The others are speaking harsh words about the Lord. This group are speaking one to another. And we read here that the Lord paid attention. So I assume then that they are talking about the Lord. The other people are full of criticism against God. This group are talking to one another to encourage one another to serve the Lord, to love the Lord in such evil days. Then, notice the connection, then, when all these people were speaking against God, then they were speaking for God and to God, encouraging 
one another. It was hard to be a Christian in those days. Well, the term Christian wasn't used then, but it was hard to be a child of God in those days. Nothing much has changed, has it? People harsh against God. What's the point of being religious? It doesn't seem to do me any good. All I get is a whole load of trouble. Not easy to be a Christian, is it? Then, they who feared the Lord spoke one to another. Is that what you're doing in these days? Encouraging one another? Talking to one another about the Lord? The King James Bible says that they spoke, spake often to one another. I like that. They spake often to one another. Talking about the Lord was their constant delight. What do you talk about when you meet fellow Christians? Sunny day, a rainy day. Well, okay, it's British to talk about the weather. <laughs> but shouldn't we talk more? about the Lord what he has done for us when I got in the car yesterday friend picked me up for a men's breakfast I said to him I've had a delightful time this morning reading Malachi thinking about those who spake one to another I wanted to share with my dear friend Frank what I've been thinking about that morning now the Lord has been blessing me through Malachi chapter 3. And then we did talk about other things, of course. Not wrong, is it? But why are we so slow to talk about our gracious God and our glorious Saviour? Too often Christians are critical of one another. <clears throat> grumbling about the problems in the church. Of course, we don't have any problems in this church. <laughs> <laughs> But we should focus more upon the Lord. How great he is. And what he has done for us. We have to remember that God's in control. Whatever's happening in the world. Whatever's happening in our church. It's God who's in control. And it's God's glory that we should all want, isn't it? So we should pray more. Uh, talk more with one another. And we should pray. We should pray together. Wouldn't it be better rather than grumbling and criticising and moaning? Say, okay, let's stop and pray. Let's pray together. <coughs> and may I challenge you, husbands and wives, you ought to be praying together. Reading the Bible together. Talking about spiritual things together. It's very important. We read in verse 16 twice that they that they feared the Lord. The Lord paid attention and heard them. We'll come to that in a moment. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. So they feared the Lord. What does that mean? What does it mean to esteem God's name? God's name means 
who he is. He's holy. He's loving. He's powerful. Think of all the attributes of God, who he is. And God's name also means what he has done to save his people. Malachi looks forward to the coming of the messenger, of the Lord Jesus Christ, the son of righteousness. We look back to what God has done through Christ dying on a cross for us. God's name. What does it mean to fear? It's not the fear of a slave, or it's not the fear of someone being caught out at work, you're not doing your job, you've made mistakes and so on. It's the fear, rather, he says, of a son, the love to the father, a daughter has for God. He says, I will spare my sons. It, it's, it's, a, it's respect. It's reverence in our worship. It is thinking of God in my life and thinking that God sees my words, my actions. He hears my words and I must stand before him one day. I want to fear him because I love him. It's love, it's esteem, it's reverence. It's gladly serving him day by day. To fear God is confess our sinfulness, our unworthiness. To fear God is to thank him and praise him because of his grace towards us. So they feared God. Rather than fear those people who were mocking God, deriding God, and no doubt deriding his people. The enemies of God can be formidable. But we have to fear God. We have to think of God. We have to focus on God. If God is for us, who can be against us? Says Paul in Romans 8. Well, the answer is, no one can be against us. We just say, there are many people against Christians. Yes, but they cannot destroy us. And they cannot destroy what our faith in God. They cannot take us away from God. Whatever happens, nothing can separate us from God. Amen. So, focus on him and fear him, like these people who spoke one to another. So I challenge you from this scripture. Talk more about God. Talk more about Jesus. Pray more together. So the first point is talking people. But the second is the listening God. The listening God. Verses 16 to 17. Look at verse 16. So I was thinking about this this morning again. I thought, how amazing this is. Those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them isn't that amazing we are sinners unworthy and we always will be till we reach heaven and even then we'll be unworthy of his grace but the Lord Jehovah or Yahweh the great God who made the world the God who spoke from the burning bush to Moses the God who saw the suffering of his people. Great, 
holy, almighty. We can never, ever, ever understand how great he is. The Lord paid attention and heard them. Paid attention. It's the idea of as if God in heaven is on tiptoe looking from the gates of heaven. They're talking about me. They're adoring me. They're worshipping me. They're serving me. He's all attention. Sometimes when you talk to people you know by the look on their face they're not really paying attention. They're thinking about something else. But here is God all attention. He's listening. He wants to hear every word you say. You may have an elderly relative getting very frown and difficult to hear what they're saying. So you get close to them and cup your ear because it's important what they're saying. You want to hear what they're saying. They may be selling you something very important but they're in pain. They need a doctor. And it's as if God is cupping his ear. I must hear everything that my dear children are saying. One old writer, 19th century, I think it was American, said this. He said that uh, the faintest whisper which they utter in the ears of each other will be heard and recorded in heaven. The faintest whisper. He's listening. He hears. And sometimes when we talking to one another and maybe when we're struggling in prayer, he hears. And it's very important to him. And he talks about a book of remembrance. Persian kings would keep a book Recording any good deed shown to them. That's in the book of Esther, isn't it? King Azarira, to pronounce it. And Mordecai, Mordecai warned the king of a plot against him. It was recorded in the book. Then later, the king had a sleepless night. He'd reading the old book and realised we hadn't uh, rewarded Mordecai. And so, human kings keep a record to aid their memories. But God's not forgetful, is he? Oh no. And God, it's picture language to help us to understand. God, of course, doesn't have a real literal book. It's, it's picture language. And, and he's saying, God's got a book of remembrance. Every deed. Every word, every action of love towards him and his people is recorded in his book and he will reward you. So God is listening. God is recording all of our deeds. Our names are not written in God's book because of our merits. 
but because of his grace. It's with those who fear the Lord and esteem his name. And they do that. We, we, we love God because he first loved us. We could not love God. We would not fear him. We would not esteem him apart from God's grace. And yet the gracious God listens and wants to reward us. In Malachi we read of a book of remembrance. Turn to the last, that's the last book of the Old Testament. Turn to the last book of the New Testament, the Revelation. And we read about the book of life and the Lamb's book of life. It, it's the same book. And when were our names written in the Lamb's book of life? An old song that says a new name's written down in glory. No, no, it's not when you're saved become a Christian that God writes your name there according to the book of Revelation your name is written in God's book before eternity before there was ever a world when only God the Father God the Son God the Holy Spirit existed before time before creation before everything God wrote your name in his book Amen. that's amazing can you understand that? of course you can't nor can I nor can the greatest theologian ever really understand it. But God so loved us, he wrote our names down. And all of the things we do for him, prompted by his spirit, he will reward us for. They spoke often one to another. The Lord heard, paid attention. And the Lord written, wrote down all their deeds in his book of remembrance with an intention of uh, rewarding them. So, those who God has saved were in his book of remembrance, the Lamb's book of life, are eager to do good. Paul says in Titus, they're zealous of good works. We don't do good works to earn his favour, but because of his love and grace in our lives. It's an expression of our love to God that we want to do those things that would please him. Good deeds. There's a wonderful verse in Hebrews, chapter 6. Hebrews 6 is a difficult chapter about falling away and apostasy and all kinds of debates about the chapter. But right at the very end, there's a wonderful little verse that's often overlooked because of all the debates about the chapter. But Hebrews 6.10 For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown to him for his name in serving the saints. So God doesn't overlook your work for him. And you serve God as you serve and love your fellow Christians. That's what the verse is saying. It's not, oh, I love Jesus. There's a nice warm feeling in my heart. God says, but show your love to me by loving that Christian. It links in with Matthew 25, the, the, the sheep and the goats passage. Inasmuch as you've done it, to the least of these, you've done it to me. Just a cup of cold water in someone in, in, in his name. 
It's service to God. But you say some Christians are very difficult to get on with. Really? Okay, I pastor two churches. I know. <laughs> they can be downright, dare I say it, they're whispering. They can be downright awkward. And get nasty with you. I've known all about that. Nevertheless, they are God's dear children. And they're your brothers and sisters. And you have to love them. And do good to them. And serve them. How does that work out? Well, maybe it means going to see somebody who's uh, distressed someone who's been bereaved in our church people in the hospital and an operation the ladies get busy and cook meals and take them round to the family that's Hebrew 6.10 that's loving the Lord's people because you love the Saviour in practical terms how can I show my love to Christ by showing my love to this brother to this sister and if you do have a disagreement with some Christian you know you should love them it's been very awkward difficult or maybe you've got to go and see them you have got to go and see them Jesus says before you come to pray Go and put it right with your brother and sister. So maybe you've got to go to someone and say, look, we're not getting on too well, are we? And I need to apologise to you. Or if it isn't your fault, still apologise. <laughs> and try to be at peace with them. This is part of what it means to love our brothers and our sisters. And God will note down in his book of remembrance that you've gone to that Christian, you've gone to that dear brother and sister, and you've tried to be at peace with them, and you've shown compassion and kindness to this Christian in their need. We deserve nothing. And yet God says, I'm going to reward you. For the things you've done, prompted by me and my spirit, and I'm still going to reward you. amazing grace and notice he says here in our text he says that uh, the Lord paid attention and heard them and a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name and then the Lord says this they shall be mine says the Lord of hosts in the day when I make up my treasured possession and I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. The God of heaven says they shall be mine. He says to every Christian here, you are mine. I love you. And I'm never going to stop loving you. And I love you and I'm going to reward you for the things you do for me. And I'm going to reward you for the the love you show to other Christians. You shall be mine. Mine. 
eternally mine, says God. Isn't that wonderful? Yes, it is. Then he says here, that in the day when I make up my treasured possession, King James is my jewels, my treasured possession. So, God is saying, through Malachi, you are like a sparkling diamond. You are like a nugget of gold. Precious to me. The people who are speaking harsh words against God are probably speaking harsh words against his people. They're probably speaking hard words against those who feared him and loved him. Maybe someone here, you're aware of non-Christians or laughing at you. Think how stupid of you to believe in God, a creator. Why do you waste your time coming to that building there in Nuxley Road on a Sunday morning? You could be out playing football, out with your mates, or doing something else. Anything but come to a boring chapel. No, no, it's the place where we want to be. Because we want to meet Christians. We love Christians. And we want to hear the word of God preached. And we want to adore the God who says you are mine. You are my jewels. You're so precious to me. Now jewels can be lost. Something we treasure can be lost. But the Christian jewel can never be lost. You may get burglars in your home and they take your jewellery, your jewels, things you treasure. It causes a mess in your home. But God's jewels, Christian, you can never, ever be stolen. Remember John 10? The Good Shepherd chapter, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice. So another metaphor, another picture. My sheep hear my voice. My sheep, they shall be mine. How do you know whether you're a Christian or not? You hear his voice. How do you hear his voice? As you read the Bible, as you hear it preached, you are listening to the voice of the Good Shepherd. What else does he say? says they hear my voice and I know them know there means I love them it's more than well simply I know you yes yes but I love you that's what it means and they follow me obedience I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So we're secure in the Saviour's now pierced hand. And we're secure in the hand of our Father. The everlasting almighty God who made the world. We are secure. God's sheep, God's Jews, 
Christians can never ever be lost or stolen. They cannot be snatched out of the hands of the Father and of the Son. He says, I and my Father are one. We are one in deity. God is God. Jesus is God. We're one in our purpose to save a vast number of sinners and to bring them into heaven. Notice how in that verse he talked about the sheep God has given to me. God has chosen us. He sent his dear son to die for us on a cross. Therefore we are eternally secure. Isn't that wonderful? So are you a Christian? Look at verse 18 of our text. God divides, through Malachi's words, God divides the whole human race into two groups. The congregation here can be divided into two groups. Then, once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. So there are two groups and there's going to be a great division when the Lord comes. That's what he's talking about in that day. The righteous are those who spoke often one to another. Those who fear the Lord, those who esteem his name. Righteous. Not because they are good, but because of the righteousness of God, of Christ, of God, given to them. So it's not who we are, what we've done, it is what God has done by giving Christ to die on the cross for us. Righteous Christians. But there's another group. He calls them the wicked. But just a moment, the wicked were those who worshipped him, so-called, who claimed to worship him. These wicked are religious people, but their lives do not match their claims. They go into adultery and all sorts of things, read the four chapters of Malachi. So, they're wicked. They're wicked people. Even though they are religious people, and it could be this morning that God could say to some of you, you're wicked, but, but I'm good, I come to chapel. I do the best I can, I, I try to be nice to people. And God says, but you're wicked. Because you're not trusting in me alone. Because you have not accepted my free offer of Forgiveness, pardon. You have ignored my son, the Lord Jesus. You've been careless. You thought, well, it doesn't really matter, does it? And so God says, you're either in the category of the righteous, the people who fear me and love me and serve me, depend on my grace, or you're in the category of the wicked, the unbelievers, those who may be religious, but not Christians. There's a hymn that says, I often say my prayers, 
but do I really pray? Do the words of my lips, um, do the something of my heart go with the words I say? <laughs> I should have written it down. But you'll see the point. You say prayers, come to a chapel, and yet not be a Christian. And he says that those who fear my name, I will spare. I will bring them into everlasting joy in heaven. On the other hand, those who do not fear his name, he will not spare. I warn you from the Bible, there's a heaven for the righteous, those who trust Christ, Christ alone for salvation, and there is an everlasting hell for those who do not repent of their sins. He says uh, in verse 17 of this chapter, Return to me, and I will return to you. Return to me, says God. That means repentance. You turn from your sin. And God says, if you do that, I will return to you. So we have the speaking people, some who speak against God, some who talk about God and love him. And we have the listening God. God paid attention and heard. So you're a Christian. I press the question, it's so important. There isn't any question more important than I could ask you. Are you a Christian? If not, repent. Now, today, even in this place, cry to God to forgive you. If you are a Christian, then be a talking Christian. Talk about the Lord to one another. Talk about the Lord to those who are not Christians. Let it be your delight to often speak about the Lord. Let's pray before we sing. So Lord our God, we thank you for this ancient prophet Malachi who lived so many years ago. We thank you that you gave to him these words, this message that he gave to your people. We thank you, O God of heaven, that you are listening to us. You've been listening this morning as we've been sitting here in this chapel. You've been reading our thoughts. You can see our hearts. You can see whether we're delighting in these great truths or whether they seem so boring and uninteresting and irrelevant to us. Lord, you'll see our hearts, whether we are the righteous or the wicked, Christians or non-Christians. Lord, we thank you for that great uh, word here that, 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 that you've said that, that uh, we belong to you. We are your jewels, very precious to you. Lord, that we may rejoice in these great truths that are here in this uh, section of your word, O oh God. 